All right, we are live and rolling right now. <laughs> USPS national team, 4-1 over Honduras in San Pedro Sula. What a tale of two halves this certainly was. Eric, I mean, it's crazy. I watched um, at least 30 minutes of it where I could sit there and actually watch it. I had to drive on the way home, so that last 40, that last 15, and then uh, all the way till about the 75th minute, I had to kind of watch here and there. So I really actually, I missed the first two goals. I didn't get to see them like happen live. I had to watch like the, the replays and stuff like that. So didn't have the emotion. I did get to watch the second two, but really, man, I mean, the, that, I think that's the big headline. I think out of this is what a debut, what a debut for Ricardo Pepe. We said it. We talked about it. You said, well, okay, what if he starred him in, in Honduras? <laughs> I still think he should have gotten some kind of run in the Canada game. Alas, that didn't happen. But it's okay because Ricardo Pepe keeps making big moves and keeps like just being way bigger than his age uh, would tell you and more mature than his age. That guy never looked like he was too out of it. He was trying to make things happen. He battled in the first half. He had the one chance that just didn't hit for him there with the header coming off from Sargent. And then in the second half, it was all the Ricardo Pepe show. A goal and three assists. <laughs> Barely just missed out on having two goals. Legit had to put it in uh, that last one. It's incredible that the way that they looked in the first half, you know, you said it, I think, uh, especially once the goal went in, like, uh, you know, people are chanting fire Greg Berhalter. Uh, yeah. It looked like it. It looked like it, didn't it? it? It it really did because when we sat here and we talked about, okay, what was potentially going to happen versus what should happen, we came to a consensus, especially with Kulisic and the 11 that were there, go for a 4 3 one, two. Berhalter didn't. Went with that same sort of 4-3-3, little bit wide, and clearly it was not working. There was a lot more of the disjoint that came back in the midfield again, a lot more lackadaisical attitude up front. And leading up to that Moya goal for Honduras, both that attacking phase of play and the Honduran one before that they legit just bullied us off the ball. They were hungrier, much more aggressive in the one-on-ones, and they really got their just desserts. They got that reward. Then the triple sub at halftime, the tactical change to a more traditional 4-3-3 with Pepe still out on the wing, everything opened up. I mean, it was a little bit weirder that things convalesced more after Pulisic went off, but to me, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that compact in midfield three did sit a little too deep in my mind at times because they had more room to counter, but once they got in, once Pepe was on the ball or near it, the floodgates opened. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't just that. It it is amazing to think about in that first half. It really was like Christopher Pulisic trying to make things happen, mm-hmm. and you saw it 
there towards the end where he makes that run all by himself and then he has to be stopped at the end. But for me, uh, and it's it's a bit disheartening for him. Like, yeah, he was almost going to be proven right about it. we didn't try hard enough. We didn't try to find new ideas. We didn't do things. And I would say that even though I thought Josh Harden looked a little bit uncomfortable, and, and that's the thing I will say, Greg Berhalter paid attention he did. to who was not playing well in that first half. And he took off every single one of the players that just didn't seem either up to it or weren't in the game or just a John Anthony Brooks is supposed to be your veteran guy, your veteran presence. Mm-hmm. He was not playing well, took him out. Uh, Brian and Sebastian Legit, another veteran in the midfield, but somebody who could be a stable presence. Brian and Anthony Robinson, the guy that has been a uh, you know standout, a standard. I, I said was one of the best in the Canada game. You moved Tyler Adams more central. I don't know why. I mean, he's not a box to box midfielder going no. up and down the right side, not knowing. I mean, he was trying his best. He's doing what he can do, but it's just like, I feel like Berhalter, he's, there's tinkering, then there's too much tinkering. There's oh, there's absolutely. tinkering to to almost feel like you're playing around. And yeah. that's, that's what he did here in the first half. Like, I get it. You had to give some of these guys a rest, right? Some of that kind of makes sense, but don't start trying to do too much when you're at the end of the, of the cycle and you need a win. Yeah. And, and for some of that, it's like, okay, not quite the right positioning or not quite the right tactic. Because you notice, even like you had mentioned with Pulisic, he was going and making those runs. Why weren't there any supporting runs, especially leading up to that chance? That was a potential quality right there. And Great, you made all kinds of adjustments going into the second half. They paid off, but you have to ask yourself, what if they didn't? Yes, you've got some ideas and uh, shapes for your roster going into October, but if you know you need those three points, which looking at the now CONCACAF table, they did, you don't leave it late to try to get those points. Yeah, no, but I I thought that, again, he listened to Mm -hmm. what happened in the Canada game, right? He said, I'm not going to wait until it's too late. I'm going to do it right now, Mm -hmm. immediately. He brought the people on that he needed to change, to make that change, right? To to say, okay, look, we're going to do something different. That didn't work. My bad. You know, I, I put some, because you're already playing McKenzie, who hasn't played the entire World Cup qualifying, hasn't really played much for you at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, George Bello, who, I mean, for all his speed and everything, he looked like a deer in the headlights most of the time. In fact, really, the whole team looked like they were lost because, they really again, you're trying so- something too much new at once. And it's like, like you said, Pulisic was was pushing, was going, was going. and then. People would come with him, but they're not making the runs that they need to make. And I, no. I felt like it was like him and Pepe by themselves trying to do everything. Yeah, and for that first half, that's what it really was. And I had, as I was going through tweeting, I was like, it's another long night. I can see this coming. 
if this mm-hmm. isn't good. And thankfully, you're absolutely right. He did listen and said, you know what? I've got to go to something that works. I've got to go to players that work. And not only did he make the changes taking off the right players who weren't performing, he made the perfect substitutions and got the players who were. I mean, look at the immediate dividends, even going to the Anthony Robinson goal that was the equalizer. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And the Anthony Robinson goal was what kicked, you know, all that off from a Pepe uh, opportunity, getting that in. And then, of course, as you mentioned, like having Pulisic go off, right? And you're saying, oh, man, what a demoralizing thing to have your captain go and and it's not the same and everything. Okay, this this changes things. And you, it's a it's actually a different look because mm-hmm. that first goal goes in for Honduras. Man, there's a demoralization that happens with that team. And all of a sudden, Honduras just has this, this absolute domination of the game at that point. And you go into halftime and, man, it looks grim. Right, it looks absolutely grim, but you make those changes, and they, and what mattered most is you scored quickly, scored yeah. quickly, so you didn't let Honduras gain confidence, start time wasting, all that stuff, and then you're now on that front foot of being able to say, okay, we're gonna kind of play this through, and then Pepe's goal goes in, which is, I mean, terrific ball in from uh, Yedlin. Mm-hmm. Who again came in and hey, he changed back to the old number. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he changed back to the old number. Maybe there's a little bit of that too in there. A change the back to that deuce. number two. The yeah. lucky deuce. <laughs> exactly. And and so he, he makes that ball in and Ricardo Pepe on top of it, like a lot of bodies in there, and he makes that fantastic header, the goal scorers header, the guy that, that has been scoring for Dallas. And and he wrote off that and got that big goal that put them ahead, that getting that those points you needed. And then that's the thing that I think all works is you started putting the players in positions where they can actually make a difference. Right? It, oh, same yeah. thing happened in the Canada game. You had Acosta drifting too much to the right. Uh, you know, like they kind of didn't know where to be. And another another person I'm so glad they took off is James Sands. Because that dude was just fouling everywhere. Yeah. He didn't, he seemed so nervous and so like not able to you know, be there in the moment. And I'm glad again, another another person that Yedlin came on for him. And, and I think that made all the difference. This is why sometimes people say, you know, we said it, uh, Eric, and maybe we need to not doubt so much next time. You need to bring in a Sebastian Legit. Sometimes you got to bring in DeAndre Yedlin. Why? Because even though they're not really like the old timer veterans, they've been there. They've been in those kind of situations. They've been through the CONCACAF fires and especially Mm -hmm. the Jet. We both wrote them off. Yedlin, not so much because even though club form has been kind of eh, he's still got that knack for making a big play. And the Jet is like, all right, this is San Pedro Sula been here before, so what we need to do, help shut the crowd up, give Honduras a taste of their own medicine, because once that happened, we went from being bullied to being the bullies. Much more contesting, better on headers, better on those 50-50s, 
jostling for position. Yeah, still a couple fouls here and there, but it wasn't anything really crazy. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. And also, you know, what mattered is that all these subs made a difference. Absolutely. And then the one decision you make of, okay, we tried Sergeant, we tried P-Folk. Yeah, I did say put Sergeant Pepe, but Sergeant, this is why I always say if you're going to play Sergeant, you play a 4-4-2. You don't play a 4-3-3 because Sergeant is much better with another guy up there up front with him. He's not a solo guy. He can no. make things happen. He does turn, all that. But he's not a, okay, I'm going to come off the wings, like maybe like a Jordan Morris or something. He's more of a, okay, I'm here. This is where I'm at. Yeah, I've got somebody I can play more, off like, of. But yeah, yeah, much more central advance forward kind of target man mentality. Yeah. You get the ball yeah. to him rather than him coming and getting it. He, exactly. He's not the big body like people. But he makes things happen in that way, whereas, like, Pepe is used to, okay, sometimes he does get played mm-hmm. front with uh, Jesus Ferreira. Sometimes he does get played more on more to the wing. He kind of understands that a little bit more. So that was fine. But I think that's that's where I think Berhalter still needs to adjust. He made the adjustment. He made the big adjustments in this game that I said were lacking in the Canada game. Mm-hmm. And pro- props to him for that. But I think he still needs to – learn what the team is and understand of when you're going to put these guys out there, understand what their strengths are and how they work the best to put them in those spots. Cause it was still that first half really shouldn't have happened. No, you've gotten two games with these players. You shouldn't be having these moments where you're lucky that you're playing a Honduras that for the most part, yeah, they had a couple of dangerous, uh, you know, moments, but there, there was uh, shots that went over, uh, passes that didn't connect. You know, having to make these Tyler Adams having to run all the way back to make keep something from happening. Uh, the one time George Bello did do something, he prevented a, a corner from happening. I mean, like yeah. so, you shouldn't have to get to that point. No, in with yeah. a team like this. Honduras, their main danger, set pieces. Yeah. And then some of those set pieces, they just happen to go awry. But if you have a team that's basically getting into playing for set pieces because you start to shut them down from open play, all right, go ahead, change that mentality, close them down, try to force more counters, things like that. First half, that didn't happen. Second half, it worked perfectly. So that goes back to this different kind of 4-3-3. It's not going to be the exact same with Pulisic in. I get that. But once they went to that flat, compact midfield, like I said, still sitting a teeny bit too deep at times, but that was great defensively because you had those bodies there to prevent anything up the middle. Yeah, he definitely did. But I think what made the difference is you have players that are kind of a bit more accustomed to playing with each other mm-hmm. instead of just, okay, well, let's. It almost seemed like he said, listen, I, I'm okay with making changes if you want to like freshen things up and everything like that. But it almost felt like he just said, okay, who are some players that haven't played at all? All right, here we go. You guys get your shot at starting. Dude, we already have enough problems with cohesion as it was. Why are you 
you doing this? And the last one, it'd been different if, okay, th- unfortunately for CONCACAF, you don't really have a team that you can say like England has with Andorra or Poland had with San Marino where you can say, oh, well, we can just change the entire team and play around and figure out who you want to start where and play everybody mm-hmm. out of position and have fun and blah, blah, blah. You don't have that. No, uh, you don't have those. I mean, know. even a Jamaica that was losing, that was without – so a lot of their stars still brought it in every single game. And they were within a whisker of getting three points and forcing Mexico to get two draws in this, in this uh, octagonal uh, for, you know, first three rounds. So, I mean, again, you can say what you want, even Costa Rica for all, for all the sometimes where they looked ragged, um, they still had chances and they still brought it every single game again. So, you know, and they they made Mexico work for it. They they got the the points in the other games. I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Concaf doesn't have at least with the octagonal teams where you can just go ah, let's just throw out whoever out there and hope that something happens. They got lucky. They got lucky mm-hmm. that it wasn't two or three that Honduras had put them on under in the first half, and that's all it took because. If you look at the difference between this game and the game that Canada plays against El Salvador, El Salvador got knocked Ooh. out of that game quickly. In the first 10 minutes, they had two goals. Yeah, scored in the 6th and, sixth that, and then uh, scored again in the 11th. And then exactly. it was done. Done. They, they were out of it, knocked out. Um, Canada was at home, obviously helps, but immediately put the pressure on and made them have to deal with it. And then, of course, later on, uh, Tejan Buchanan gets his goal and then puts three in there. And like my point in saying this is very easily, it could have been 2 0, 3 0 at halftime yeah. for the U.S. And it's a bigger hole you have to climb up. And maybe yeah. you don't climb out of that hole because you're demoralized at that point. It doesn't matter what changes you make, the team just doesn't have enough to do it. And, you know, Eric, it's like you have to be very careful when you do. You, you do. You can't the end of a window and yes you don't have different friendlies or things that you can try out no you pretty much have your camps and these matches and you're absolutely right again that for all intents and purposes probably should have been a 3-0 halftime score had Honduras been a little bit more clinical and then what do you do but it's like okay he was in some ways really playing for October. So it's like, all right, I've got to solidify this now, see what I've got to find out who to call, who to keep and everything for this October window and then really get going. He came to this. But that's the thing, though. You can't just go off of, okay, what I saw in these three games. Their forms could be completely different when you're getting, you know, four more weeks Mm -hmm. of your club team and all that stuff. You can't just go off of what you saw. I get it. You have your people that you trust. Yeah. Uh, your players that you trust. And I think you do have more of that now. You do kind of know more of your core of this team. And we can get into that a little bit later. But I wouldn't say that you have to vindicate Greg Berhalter here. I think it's important that he he showed that he learned. He and did. then he showed there's still some steps that he needs to make. Obviously, you're not going to get it right every time. No coach, it doesn't matter how experienced you are, gets it right every time. There are times where you just get 
outcoached on the day. You don't see it in your head that day for whatever reason. Greg Berhalter got it right this time. And that's good on him. You just need to see that happen more often. Yeah, and I hope that he does take this and does this more thorough evaluation, keeping this in mind for these next slate of matches because we rescued and put ourselves in such a good position. And if we keep doing this, then it'll be an easier path for the full vindication, and that's qualifying for Cutter. Exactly. That's the important goal here, and you have done that and now putting yourself in third. And it almost seemed like the team, and this is hopefully something that they will learn as time goes on with this. Goals matter in World Cup qualifying. Goal difference can make all of the difference. Whether you get third or fourth, second, third, first, second, you've got to go for those goals when they're there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad that Ricardo Pepe took that that turn on that third goal, and he just went for it, at, you know, laid it off on a beautiful platter for Aronson to just whack it in the net. And then, you know, again, it was a chance that it was kind of nothing. Pepe tries to get his second goal. doesn't happen. Legette pokes it in. And, again, those that that last goal that you score at the death there puts you over into third. So, look, it's still early, but that stuff matters. It can be a one goal that makes it to where where you are. So hopefully they learn throughout that if you have those opportunities to, to further the score, you got to do it. Oh, of course. And, of course. Because, so, I mean, if you see some of the other results from tonight, a lot of other tense matches that could have gone either way. Exactly. And, that goal comes in handy, not just for helping in the standings. Now, some of those results get a little bit different. We're sitting even better. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so before we get into going around CONCACAF for those uh, results and looking at some of those other games and looking at the standings the way they are before you get to October, uh, what do you think about just looking at the team as a whole right, from these three games? How do you feel about the team going into October now? Maybe you didn't get as many points as you uh, would like, but well, you got enough to be in the leading pack, which makes yeah. sense. And I said after the first two matches, two points from two matches, that's not a World Cup qualifying pace. But now sitting at five points from those first three That, to me, is. I am okay with that as a start, especially since you got two of the more moderate to really tougher, not the toughest, obviously, but tougher away matches out of the way. So now as you're getting into these next windows to where you've got more at home, you've got this cushion, you will hopefully have the crowd so you can make an even bigger push. But this is a much better foundation to build upon. I'm good with that. Yeah, certainly. I mean, this is, like you said, nobody was expecting a win here. People need, you needed a win because of the other two, the way you play the other two games. And I, I would say, like, I think we need to kind of slow the roll on, listen, that, that third and fourth goal came late when Honduras somebody kind of, 
Honduras was going for it in that third goal, right? The the mm-hmm. third goal that demoralized them. The fourth goal was kind of like an icing on the cake kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, but still, I think what you should think about for me is okay. You got the points that kept you around, and that's what you need to do. And we'll qualify. You got to stay around. You cannot be way far back. You can't like if they wouldn't have won, if they would have stayed at three points and now you're tied with Honduras, but you're way behind. Or you're not way behind, but you're behind Panama, Mexico mm-hmm. and Canada. You're not you're not staying with the pack. And that's what they did here. For me, though, you definitely you definitely have players that I think you need to make sure that you're looking at and tracking for this next round. Absolutely. And I mean, and obviously you've got to see what happens with Pulisic. It's sad for him. Hopefully it's not something uh, crazy, the injury right now, um, because sadly, you know, he couldn't play for Chelsea for a while because of COVID. And then now he probably won't even play in the next game that they play on the weekend because of this injury. And then who knows how that will affect him come October. And you still want your best player without a doubt, still your best player. Um, uh, and Christopher Pulisic, and and like it's interesting to to know. Look at this. Look at this team now. Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney didn't play in these last two games, and the team still went out with a, a mostly you know the young squad with the veteran the the few veterans hoping to get out and get this result that you really needed. And I I feel like let's let's start looking at players that you feel like okay based on how they played you definitely need to make sure you bring them in for October. And I think I think if you're looking at a number nine, Ricardo Pepe just submitted himself as as long as nothing happens and as long as he keeps doing his thing for Dallas, I mean, Have he's, him your, right no, he's your number one guy right Yeah, now. right up front, Reyna out and on the wing, kind of still keeping this sort of 4-3-3 since, again, he's married to it. I think those should be two of your front three. Pulisic up top. Midfield still kind of iffy, leaning towards Adams because even though he had some sort of iffy. Oh, no, definitely Tyler Adams. Yeah. Overall body of work, I'm like, all right, that's a guy making runs, keeping things in transition, locking down when he has to centrally, if that's who I would want. So. Those are my main three I have in mind, and then at the back, I, I think that the the two Robinsons, oh yeah, cemented themselves as Miles Robinson, Anthony Robinson. I think you have your left sided, your Miles Robinson, the two Robinsons, and I think you still have to figure out the right side though. Right now, yeah. now you don't have as much trust. On in John Anthony Brooks as you used to have, right? He was the guy um, that you would say, "Oh man, he's the, he's the man we could trust. He's that that pillar." And he really wasn't in this this three round, th- you know, these these games that he played. He was not very easily beaten at times, just invisible. I mean, not a total sieve, but it's like. Come on, you need something from that right back spot to help contain 
of your yeah. team. Well, it, yeah, he's the center back spot, but still, it's like this is your other pillar yeah. in the midfield in in the center of the park, and you cannot uh, be doing. Uh, those kinds of just letting guys buy you, making these errant passes. He's yeah. supposed to be one of the best passers. Yeah. And he wasn't doing that either. No, not making a lot of passes out of the back. And if you're constantly in a situation, which at a lot of times we were, to where instead of just a 1v1, it was a more 2v1 situation at the back, somebody's going to just wind up open. You're going to have plugs in the defense, and that's not going to work. It's not always going to end well. So, eh, few decisions to make there. Yeah, and you definitely have to figure out what you want from the right back spot. Um, you know, obviously, I think Yedlin uh, needs to continue to come along. I mean, he makes he makes things happen uh, at least offensively. Obviously, defensively, he's a liability when you when you mm-hmm. have. Uh, faster wingers or faster, um, you know, situations there. Uh, obviously, you know, Alfonso Davies made him suffer, and uh, you're going to have that problem uh, throughout CONCACAF. You know, um, we saw it uh, with, a, with a Tecatito in the Panama game. So it, it's one of these things where you have to think about what you want to do. And the Sergio Dest thing, either you are going to decide – to play with wingers or Sergio Dest is, I don't know if he's a fit for your system because if you want to play your flat back four with people going forward, doesn't work. Sergio Dest is such a liability when he Mm -hmm. needs to go back and defend. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to look at a Reggie Cannon again or Shaq Moore again, and not necessarily want to bring Sergio Dest just because he plays for Barcelona. If you're not going to play in the system that you – because, honestly, Sergio Dest, Barcelona has a problem still with the defensive area. They do. Sergio Dest is – he's okay when he goes forward. You see that with Barcelona. He, when he's a, some, somebody in the, in the attack, they do decently. They do well. Uh, it's going to be interesting how Barcelona plays now with Memphis Depay being on this ridiculous form that he's on. My God, the guy just keeps scoring goals constantly. <laughs> Uh, go watch these, some of these highlights for the games for Holland. That dude is a monster. But it'll be interesting now. You don't have Antoine Griezmann to kind of, you know, be sulking around. Uh, let's see what Luke Dijon brings to that team. But whatever, we're not talking about Barcelona right now. The thing is, I, I think he just he needs to look at. Uh, obviously, he will probably bring in Jesse Sardes if he's healthy because that's just a guy that. That uh, that Berhalter loves, and why not, man? That dude works for you. Yeah, he really, um, he always been a very good fit. We've seen that already this year, so I wouldn't be terribly mad about that, especially to keep a compliment and go to and get a very solid front three or stuff going forward. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't trot out Walker Zimmerman for one of the games because it's somebody that. We've seen him be kind of a constant, and he's good on set pieces as well. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he brings in Walker Zimmerman again just because uh, we know what he can do at, at the center of the park as well just because, again, you don't know. I don't think he's not going to call in Brooks, but it's just one of those things where he just did not leave you in the best light. Same thing with Sergio Dest. I didn't get left in the best look. Uh, obviously, Weston McKinney has a lot to um, – 
to you know say for himself when it comes to these next round of qualifiers. Uh, let's see how much he plays for Juventus as well, obviously, because he's not the most uh, beloved guy with the Allegri either. Um, how Gio Reyna and now Pulisic come from come back from their injuries. Uh, those are all things we have to look at when you come to October. But I definitely think, you know, the Acosta, the Adams, the Aronson has got to be, now he has put himself high on the list as well. Um, you know, we talked about Ant- the two Robinsons. Uh, looking at, you know, Ricardo Pepe definitely needs to be in the plans again. Like, I think folk definitely gives you somebody like a target guy, a guy that's yeah, just, okay, you need to have a big guy. Worst He's case huge, scenario, I mean. Yeah, and, and worst case scenario, even with Falk, have him as one of your super subs. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm going to be, I hope, that you because know, the Champions League is going to come back as well in mm-hmm. this week. You know, the next midweek will be Champions League. We'll get to see Falk um playing for young boys hopefully so you know i i would hope that you know berhalter gets to see how young boys uses people and be able to if you're gonna start him tailor the figure out what you want to do with him and and try to more tailor the team towards him and and get the best out of him let the system fit the players don't yeah, don't make the players into the system. Into the system, exactly. Let's look at the players you're bringing in and make that system work. So before we get out of here, we definitely got to look at the rest of CONCACAF. Ooh. And, man, uh, you know, that we, we're, we're going to talk about it here because the next three games for the United States are the following here. Uh, you're at home against Jamaica, which – I want to preface this again by saying Jamaica were missing 12 players from their normal. Exactly. Not. uh, And they have come, you know, they've been a force in the Gold Cup before with the U.S. I mean, we just played them in the Gold Cup. It wasn't an easy game at all. So cannot write that off at all. And definitely would expect coming in October, as long as COVID uh, doesn't become an issue again. Uh, they would definitely be able to bring more of those players. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're you're going away to Panama, and then Ooh. you're at home against Costa Rica. So I preface this by saying Mexico Panama, what a tight game that was. Panama scores first around the same time as we saw the Honduras goal uh, for the against the U.S. And I mean, yeah, it was definitely it was one of those like just uh, Memo makes the big save. And then, oh, it, it's right there at the feet. And and uh, I think it's uh, Quintero knocks it in. The crowd goes absolutely nuts. What a what a scene there uh, for for that. And, man, that's a moment there. And Panama uh, still had more chances, yeah. you know, to, to really go for it. And like, then, of and course, Tecatito, who had been trying so hard. Yeah. Okay, and to really do stuff, he gets yeah. the goal. He doesn't get that like crazy the way he scored a kind of goal. That moment right there, that goal, obviously, but you look at the score, but looking at just the feel of that match, that saved El Tree. Yeah, that definitely saved really saved El Tree right there. Yeah, I mean Panama had other opportunities. Mexico had other opportunities as well after that goal. But uh, you know, it's it's something that 
you have to be careful when you're the U.S. going to mm-hmm. talk about going down to Honduras. Talk about going out of Salvador. Panama may be the absolute hardest place uh, outside of maybe Azteca with all the fans there. Like Panama may be the hardest of all the Central American places to go play. Like Easily. that is a scene when you go down there to Ramon Fernandez. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just a different place, and that will be interesting to see how that U.S. team reacts going down there that is a tough i mean that's why when you play jamaica you better make sure you get a result yes and i'm not talking about getting a draw you need to get a win because three they got to get those three points banked in yeah and obviously you need to get them against costa rica as well but costa rica has grown throughout Mm -hmm. um this this uh, you know this thing they didn't look good at all against Panama, but Panama's at home, and again Panama has looked absolutely dynamite at home in these games where they played. And the only time they had to go somewhere was to Jamaica, and they had no fans there, and it was like in the middle of the day, and it was no not a big deal. Panama's had all these night games, and oh my, like I said, every time what's uh, between a, the Mexico game it's like and the forty. Yeah, it's an absolute festivity there. And it's just, yeah, I mean, same thing for Canada. Canada looked great as well, especially. Um, So, like, yeah, Canada looked amazing against El Salvador, but it helps a lot when you can just absolutely deject the team in the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, between the Atiba Hutchison goal and um, I forgot who who scored first for uh, Canada in that game, but – Oh, no, it was uh, T-Bus and then David that scored. And then uh, I mentioned Buchanan got his goal. But, like, it it was an absolute just Canada went in, took him out of the game, and then dominated the rest of it um, as well. They had opportunities to make it more uh, if they wanted. I don't know how much you can take out of that. I also thought El Salvador, I get what they were doing, right? They were changing, making changes because they had to rest some of the players. But most of their starting 11 started on the bench. And then they had to bring him on, and by that point, it was just too late. Buchanan scored that third goal, and that was it. But I, you know, Costa Rica really looked good against Jamaica. Um, they had opportunities to to win that game. Uh, Jamaica had a few as well, and Nicholson scoring both the goals for Jamaica. Uh, so he's got to be feeling good uh, for himself there. Uh, Kamar Lawrence being a big player uh, for both of those really. Like I said, there is no gimme game in conquer- in this octagonal. There no. really isn't. And Especially if Jamaica can bring their yeah. their stars next time. And honestly, even though there's no gimmies, we were able to get five points in this window. If we get maybe four, if we're lucky, another five points in October, I'll still feel okay. I feel like at home, you got two games at home. Those should be six points. Again, Jamaica Costa Rica are not easy. They're difficult teams to play. You got, you know, big players for both teams. Uh, Joe Campbell is still a force. Brian Reed's at 36 is still a force, man. That dude's still making things happen. And they got younger guys, uh, Martin and all that, that are that are guys you need to watch. I think Honduras really needs to uh, – they were talking about – their manager might might be out of a job. <laughs> um, I think he definitely might be out of a job. Uh, the way he lost after being up 1-0 and you're going to halftime, really making the U.S. feel bad. Yep. 
they have not looked convincing at all. I kept saying that in any of these three games. El Salvador, you can give Hugo Perez a, a pass because you got points against you got points against U.S. at home. You got mm-hmm. points against Honduras. You were unlucky against Canada, but that was in Canada. You kind of ex- you don't expect to win that game. Um, you know, probably should have if if any of the three, you should have perhaps gotten one against Honduras and gotten a win, but you didn't. You know, I just think Honduras is really the big loser. Out of this entire, they are, and every time the camera panned to the manager, kept panning, kept panning. Just they panned to him every time one of the goals came. I was like, I felt so bad. That guy's. I know. Just the look on his face just got worse and worse. And like, do you have to do that to you? Yeah, it was just so so horrible. Like, man, that guy's already got to be feeling so bad. Like, this make it worse, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Mexico got what you would expect as well, but the, you know they got the they got the win in Costa Rica, which that's not easy to do. Costa Rica is mm-hmm. not an easy place uh, to go play, but uh, they got the win, and by the finish of Martins on a penalty, you know Mexico got the win over Jamaica, which you should expect if you're Mexico. But again, they had to fight for it. Jamaica made them fight till the end, and and then you get the draw in Panama, which is always going to be hard because again, Panama is one yeah. of the toughest teams. Even though we thought maybe, oh, okay, we're going to go down, see a downgrade. And not, not when you're playing in Panama, you know, my God, Ooh. they were just. Uh, so it just shows you, again, people that don't really know this this region, it is not uh, easy at all. This is a difficult uh, thing to look at. So let's go ahead and before we end this, look at these fixtures. We already mentioned the U.S. history fixtures. Mexico has at home against Canada, then they have at home against Honduras, and then they go to El Salvador, which uh, they've done. They did it in the Gold Cup. I mean, it wasn't in El Salvador, but, you know, they've played each other recently, so uh, should be interesting going down there for Mexico. But these are games that if you're Mexico, maybe outside of the Canada game, which, you know, that one's going to be a tough one, even in Azteca. I think you're you're looking at they play two away games, so they I think they have a it's a two match ban, so perhaps the Canada mm-hmm. game you don't have fans. Yeah. So that's gonna make it even tougher for Mexico. That's gonna be interesting without the fans there. Moving on, if you're looking at the uh now Canada's one of the leaders as well. Canada obviously we talked about Mexico is the first game. Uh in the Azteca, that's always hard. Going home to play Panama. That should be interesting. Uh, battle of leaders there. And then at home, or not at home, sorry. They play Jamaica in Jamaica. And then you're playing uh, Panama at home. Interesting games there for Canada. It could definitely swing things yeah. uh, if they don't get the points. You're not looking at something and saying, okay, this is like setting yourself up to where you can start to build up distance. You really can't. Somebody, even if Mexico performs as they should, you're still going to have a few of these countries still nipping at their heels. Yeah, definitely. And and Panama has a a tough road as well. Obviously, helps a lot. You had that middle game against the U.S. at home, but you got two away games this time. So you got going to El Salvador, and then they got to go to uh, Canada, as we just mentioned. So interesting ones for the leaders. 
as far as you know that stuff goes. Costa Rica, Salvador, también. That's going to be an interesting one. Honduras and Costa Rica. That's also going to be an interesting one. Uh, when the Central American countries go at it, it's always it's always, always fun to it. see <laughs> to see what's going to happen there. Um, so, and Honduras, Jamaica is going to be an interesting one too. Um, so Jamaica's could could make up some ground with Honduras and El Salvador, or not um, Honduras and uh, and they got some tough ones with Canada and the U.S. So you know Jamaica's gonna have a hard one of even with their stars if they don't get some results, it definitely could create some distance between them and the rest of the pack. So man, this is gonna be like prove it time for mm-hmm. your leaders right here, especially the U.S. You got you're playing against some teams that. They don't want to be distancing themselves too much here from the rest in Costa Rica and Jamaica. So those are not easy games again. They're not not an easy game in CONCACAF and will be interesting to see who gets brought and what happens. But these are the standings right now. Mexico above it all with seven points thanks to that draw. So they weren't able to get the full nine. Uh, again, tough place to play always Panama. Uh, goal difference allows the U.S. to squeak into third with Canada second. They're level on everything, but um, I, I don't know, really know what the divider is between Canada and U.S. right now. But again, that's why those goals matter that we talked about, putting those two in, let yeah, them be where they're at. Thinking their level on goal difference, goals scored, head-to-head was a draw. So Goals if, against. Yeah, if I had to guess, it's some sort of fair play metric. Yeah, maybe perhaps that could be. Yeah, hopefully we, it doesn't come down to that, really, if you're U.S. and Canada. But, yeah, Panama's in fourth there, but they're all really level on a lot of things. Uh, Costa Rica, Honduras, and El Salvador all coming in with two points, and then Jamaica with the lowly one point. But things can definitely change uh, depending on, you know, how those games go in October. So, man, that's it for the U.S. men's national team. Um, thank you for joining us. If you joined us for all three of the games, whether you watch live or listen later or watch later, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. As we keep going on this journey for World Cup qualifying, I'm uh, going to, again, to be able to watch all of CONCACAF and see what happens, who gets in, everything else. But until October 7th, it's going to be all club stuff. Uh, I think there is a U.S. Women's National Team friendly uh, depending on what's going on there, I think that's the what's the 16th here. Uh, that is a Thursday. I don't know if we'll do something uh, for that or not, but this is like coming off the Olympics, so they're far away from when that's happening. And I think that's it's after the World Cup, right? That the whole Concacaf Gold Cup and and all that starts. So it's mm-hmm. not even not even we're not even going towards that. We will definitely have a show on Tuesday and uh, it isn't up on YouTube yet, but these will both go up at the same time. Pretty much. Uh, We did do a show yesterday looking at uh, other international incidents. (laughs) Uh, And of course talking, our our big topic was the FIFA uh, discussion on having a world cup every two years uh, for the men (laughs) and women. And honestly, I'm sorry. We did not, talk about how actually this would be a good idea for the women to have it every two years, considering you don't have as many fixtures as the men. And I apologize. We did not really uh, give that the first shake we should have 
Uh, but we did talk about it at the NWSL as well there at the end too. Um, so uh, definitely go check out our regular show so you can kind of get what we normally do aside from these uh, separate shows that we have here. And of course you can listen to us everywhere. Uh, there are podcasts, whether it's Overcast, Our Heart Radio, Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, wherever it is you like to listen to podcasts, we're on there. Uh, you can watch us here on YouTube, watch us live on Twitch, watch us on the Facebook uh, page, and go check out the WTMNet.com. Last word on soccer. Thank you to them as well. And we'll see everybody later. Peace. Bye.